0: Jump right into this one, but we better welcome everyone back to marketing management and money. Did I get that one right? Or did I did? Make, yes, got it. Ryan right. always gives me grease because every once in a while I get those. Because you don't know the name of the <laughs> show that you're a your host on. Well, I, like I've always argued, money should be first. <laughs> money should be first, not last. Anyways, welcome our listeners. This is your host Ethan Miliori. At least you got your own name right. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Murray. <laughs> Goodness, I love doing these with you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's the highlight of my day. <laughs> today, we're going to talk about the emotional side of negotiations. And you can see me and Ryan are already, we're already in negotiating <laughs> on the name of the show. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fantastic episode. I can feel it already. Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're going to have some fun today. So, I, Because we want to talk about the emotional side of negotiations, I want to make a few things very clear on the front side. It's really, really, really hard to take the emotions out of negotiation. So I want to put a caveat in there that-
1: I, I'm, I'm going to upgrade that. We're going to learn
0: how to manage the- net.
1: Yeah, you're not taking those emotions out. Ah, okay. They're in there. You might kind of suppress them. And you can try to, but you're not. Right. So we're going to, as we go
0: through this one, we're going to talk about ways to manage um, the emotional side of negotiations because- as you get into it, you know, let's kind of lay it out in the beginning. As you go into negotiation, there's kind of a spectrum. And in no. The no, no
1: be- h- hang on. Oh, I, okay. I, I'm going to pause you for one quick second. Oh, I apologize. Let's negotiate this. <laughs> <laughs> Before we lose all the listeners that are like, well, I don't have to negotiate. Oh, yes, you do. That's what I want to just get out there. And I just want to point out how often we negotiate, right? So if you make any sort of purchase you're negotiating i don't care if those prices are set you are negotiating you know people would be like oh well it's set prices i'm like well what about the terms did you negotiate terms oh yeah you know we did we asked for better terms i'm like "Ah, oh, that's a negotiation you know if you sell anything every time you set your price point you're negotiating right if you try and take your wife out on a date <laughs> Deciding where to eat is a negotiation, (laughs) right? When your employees come to you and they want to raise, those are negotiations, okay? So you don't have to be a negotiator entitled to be doing negotiations all the time in business. I just just want people to have kind of a- Great clarity. A a broad thinking going into this because it hits all of us often.
0: Any given day, I'm in multiple negotiations, uh, preferably work, but not always. Right. So we hope you'll find value and we'll focus on the workplace and industry negotiations. However, I think the principles you'll find will transition into every aspect of your
1: life. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. especially if you have teenager kids. Okay. So with that,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm brushing right over the teenager kids. I'm like, we're not even going there.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the spectrum because then we kind of understand the, the emotions that maybe we get in and we'll talk a little bit about them because you need to be able to recognize them. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we'll kind of go bounce probably a little bit of everywhere as we go through this one. So the spectrum generally starts with when we know, when you formally know you have to negotiate something, generally the emotion that's the strongest is anxiety. Mm -hmm. Okay. The uncertainty. Okay. Okay. Now, as you get into it, then it can change into things like anger, Okay, or excitement. Okay, okay, as we get into it. Okay, and then at the end, then we deal with emotions like uh, disappointment, sometimes satisfaction, sometimes regret. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can see that um, the emotions range from uh, everything you know—sadness, anxiety, disappointment, anger—but envy. Okay, can be in there. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, when it's said and done, we have some excitement and satisfaction if the negotiations were done
1: right for everyone involved, not just yourself. Right. And as you're pointing out those emotions, I think it's important to understand that emotions are like color. You know, they paint a canvas. You don't just have a red. You don't just have blue. You've got a myriad of colors that are kind of painting this picture. And so you might feel some anxiety and excitement and regret all at the same time. And, And so... As you know, as you're talking about, and, and you know, kind of the, uh, the the common cliche is win-win in negotiations. As you're talking about coming out of those negotiations, where you know you're feeling some success, some excitement. Uh, think about the balance of emotions that are you know that, that you're experiencing. And some of those might be negative, but that's okay. Negative emotions aren't bad. You know, they, they are indicative of maybe how things went or what to improve upon, but they're not necessarily bad. And sometimes you will have a little bit of negative with a lot of positive. That's great. You just want to steer clear of like highly negative yes. emotions and highly negative negotiations. Yeah.
0: I, I will always, and some people will, will disagree with me a little bit. They can't fully, I will always say, if you bring anger or if anger comes up in the negotiation it, it literally is a bomb. Okay, it always mm-hmm. will be a bomb. It's like throwing gasoline in a fire. It's always goes ugly, ugly, ugly. That's, I think I can agree with that. That's the one we're always going to try to control and get rid of. Mm-hmm. It, it will always just destroy the negotiations. We will always get a worse deal if anger comes into it from either side. Mm-hmm. Okay, not just us from either side. So we may have to learn how to manage the relationship so that we can control the other individual to avoid that one emotion as well. Mm-hmm. But that's the one warning that you're going to hear probably the whole episode is that anger is the worst of all of them. We can usually deal with the other ones and, and find solutions around them. That one is almost 99.9% destructive. Mm-hmm. Okay, There are times when it has, but we're not going to go down that road because it's too rare. So, yeah. so keep that in mind that that, that one on the top, Anger is bad, bad, bad. Mm. You gotta get rid of that one. It has to be controlled. So, okay. Now a couple other thoughts um, as you get into uh, negotiations to keep this in the back of your mind as well. So we have, our body is naturally designed to do and, and you learn all this in your, no, I don't know. It's probably not your science class. It's probably more of a physiology class or not like the, the fight or flight okay. principle. Okay. So the interesting thing about anxiety Mm -hmm. Anxiety trips the flight. Okay. Okay. So if you're going into a negotiation and there's some anxiety there, part of it is already you're in the flight mode. You're not really wanting to engage and, or you want to disconnect and, or you want to keep it short. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have to be very careful because you got to get that one under check real quick or you'll probably come out with a worse deal than what you wanted it to be. And then of course we just talked about the other one, anger, which always trips the fight one, Mm -hmm. the fight sense. So we want to be very careful with that one because that's what it always turns out to be because of that natural response. That's just science after science, after science study has shown that, uh, anger leads to
1: the wanting to fight. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about going into the negotiations. Like we haven't even gotten to the negotiations just yet. Correct. What do you do when, you know, and, and I'm not going to worry about the anger one. Uh, I'm going to talk more about the anxiety one.
0: Yes, uh, it's more prevalent.
1: It, it is more prevalent. And, you know, so many people, they have anxiety right off the bat, which, you know, you you just pointed out that this is not a good state to be in to start a negotiation, uh, you know. So how, how does someone going into, they're just like, oh, I'm prone to anxiety. This stuff makes me super nervous. You know what are some things to do to uh, you know to to help alleviate the anxiety and go into it more fresh and prepared.
0: Well, I'm not there. I I'll say this one just to get it uh, on the table, but I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on it.
1: So there's always the
0: um, breathing techniques and other things you can mm. do to calm emotions that mm. that come with any emotion. You can there's great studies on to do it. So there's things like that, as controlling your breathing and things like that. But I also want to talk about. A lot of times anxiety comes into it because of the uncertainty. So we're, we're kind of creating stories. Well, what if it goes bad? That's where I was hoping you would go. So that that's the one I'd rather focus on is making sure where they're not creating the stories. doesn't mean that we shouldn't be prepared for different scenarios. Mm-hmm. I'll always counsel everyone to, to look at what if they ask this question? Okay. Well, you know, I, if I'm selling a home and, uh, they're my only prospective buyer. And they ask what other offers are on the table. How, how am I going to answer that? Well, the anxiety of of that, see what I mean, of the uncertainty mm-hmm. kind of starting to drive it. But if I'll take the time to not create stories, but to explore questions that may can be asked and maybe how I'll deal with that, you can find that now you ha- you're a lot more peaceful going into it just because you know how you're going to deal with some of those situations or a form of it because nothing ever plays out the way that we imagine it. Mm-hmm. That's why we want to avoid creating stories in our minds of how it's going to go, because it never plays out that way. It just doesn't.
1: Now, now one thing that I want to point out, and I've always used this when, you know, when I've dealt with business, and that is to understand the inverse correlation between preparedness and anxiety. The more you're prepared, the easier it is to not feel anxiety. And that anxiety level is going to go down because anxiety, it's a product of... You know, as you mentioned, uncertainty and uncertainty is a product of ill-preparedness where, oh, if I'm not prepared, you know, think, think about this. If I'm going to go on, uh, you know, a road trip and I'm looking at the gas gauge and it's, you know, it's already on empty. And I'm, man, I just did this. I was down in the cotton fields in Texas <laughs> and I had no idea. I mean, Texas is a big state. Yes. Those cotton fields go on and on and on. And, and I would watch that gas gauge and I'd be like, I don't know when the next gas station's coming up, you know. And so it was a very simple solution. As soon as we got below half a tank, we would stop at the next gas station. I never pushed it to a quarter of a tank or below because I literally was driving for hundreds of miles in these cotton fields. And, you know, and, and so I'm looking at this and I'm just like, yeah, the preparedness got rid of any anxiety that I would have had. But if I would have been on empty, you know, uh, I, I remember looking at it and thinking to myself, man, what would I do if I ran out of gas right here? You know, and I'm, <laughs> it, it's this, it, you know, it's this this highway and you've got cotton fields as far as you can see in every single direction, there's a house that looks like it's three miles away. I'm like, maybe I could run to that house. I don't know. You know, like, and, and so in business is the same thing of if people, you know, you talked about the realtor uh, example, if I don't have other people to buy the house, you know, then that's, that's a, that's a level of, of unpreparedness. Because, you know, if I go into a situation where I'm like, oh, I've got more buyers, then I can calm down a little bit. If I've got more vendors, you know, kind of shifting examples, if I got more (laughs) vendors, I don't have to worry about how these negotiations are gonna go as much because I've got other options. But this is my only option, yeah, you know, the preparedness goes down, the anxiety goes up, you know, and and how well do I know the topic? How well can I, you know, talk to questions that are I'm going to be asked and you know. Um Supporting what
0: you're saying as well. I'd also have our listeners, I'm going to use a word incidental, emotional mm-hmm. manipulators. There's a lot of those out there. Um, a classic one is music. Okay. Okay. So I mean, as soon as I see music, you can like, oh yeah, it can change the mood of things very fast. Mm-hmm. Well, there's incidental emotional manipulation out there that if we're not careful, meaning if I'm driving to a negotiation, okay, and someone cuts me off, it was incidental. But now I'm kind of in a bad mood Mm because why did, why did that jerk cut me off? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if, if I don't let it go real quick, guess what I bring into that. Okay. I bring in some frustration, which is going to be challenging as well. So, so yes, preparedness is a good one, but be mindful of those incidental ones. And, and, uh, and, and if you have some anxiety, I guess I could probably say, look, play, play some calming music, There's some great, you know, and it doesn't have to be classical music. There's great music out there, uh, through, you know. Spotify, Pandora. I mean, I, I, you could go through the whole list. Not that Mm -hmm. I want to say which one you should listen to, but, um, they they can just play some smooth jazz. I mean, if you like jazz or other just uh, music, just to calm down that, so that you stay in that emotional state where when you come to the negotiation, you're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Now let's for sake of time, let's kind of say, all right, we're, we're at the negotiations now, people are there, um, a great way to find, um, And control the emotions of it is to have open-ended questions as you're as you're starting your conversations i know that we kind of naturally do this one but if you're paying more attention to it you'll be better at it meaning if i come in and i looks like there's a little bit of awkwardness in it i might open and start with an open-ended question like oh man weather's outside i wish i could be at a beach right now have you do you guys like going to the beach okay Now we're talking about something positive, Mm -hmm. slightly off subject, okay? And we're doing this one on purpose, but it changes the perspective and it gets people thinking about their happy places, Mm -hmm. okay? What do you like to do when the weather's beautiful? You know, mine's the beach. Mm -hmm. Well, now they're thinking, ah, I love to be out biking or, hey, you know what? Maybe it's I want to be in the the park with my dog. Mm -hmm. Well, so now these open-ended questions allow them to think and explore a different side of them to calm them down as well and with ourselves because when they start talking about things like that, we find to be a little bit more calm as we get into that.
1: And, so. and, and, I, and I think this is really smart. Uh, now, I'm going to put a caveat out there that there are some very distinct cultures Uh, I really hardly have any business or experience doing, um, you know, negotiations with a lot of Asian countries. They have a very different process of doing, you know, so if, if you're in a part of the world that has a, you know, some, some customs around negotiations, learn the customs, but you know, here in, uh, in the United States, one of the customs that we have, and people don't realize that this is actually one of our customs. But it is to chit-chat a little bit, you know, to talk about non-work-related things. And the most successful negotiations that I have seen, you know, if you were to break the, you know, let's say it's an hour-long meeting, 40 minutes is not going to be centered around the negotiations, 20 minutes will. 40 minutes is going to be talking about either, you know, off-topic, tangential information just to build a relationship or it might be you know basic supportive information just for clarity but the real negotiations they're a small piece of it so you know learn the culture learn the customs and and don't be afraid to do that if that's not your style if you're like i just get it and get it done i'm like well okay maybe you do but what does the other party do yeah
0: so that reminded me and this is probably one of those tips um negotiations tend to go better in a restaurant or a golf course per se, Mm -hmm. than in across your desk. So keep that in mind that certain environments tend to land, uh, people to be calmer, uh, more negotiable when they're eating food or doing some type of a recreational thing than when it's formal and stuffy sitting across the desk.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, there are times where you need, you know, the presentation on the big screen and it's going to be a very formal negotiation, but a lot of times, you know, as you said, when I'm working, lunch, man, yeah. when lunch I'm working with great.
0: vendors and the and the guys, you know, in from uh, upstate and and you know, yeah, it's easier to to work that out. And when we're trying to buy, you know, price quantity type relationships, to hey, let's go grab some lunch, talk about it, figure out what we can work out. Well, uh, it always works better.
1: And a strategy that I've employed, especially if it's a really big deal, is I might go into it, and you know, we'll have lunch. And I'll make a presentation, but I'll never ask for an answer. You know, like I might want to do multiple stage negotiations where it's like, hey, you know, this first time I just want you to come down and we're going to sit down. We're going to grab lunch. Uh, You know, I'm going to kind of show you what, what I'm looking at doing, you know, get to know you a little bit better. And then we'll follow up in a week with a formal meeting where we bring everyone into the room and, you know, uh, so y- y- you can, you can stage it. It doesn't have to be a one and done. Building relationships takes time.
0: It, it does. Uh, now, as we're starting into these negotiations, we need to another key few, two, probably two key points is that we need to know that we got to come in with confidence mm-hmm. and confidence based off of it, that we have very clear goals that we're trying to achieve when we go into this one. Okay. That we, and not necessarily super high because when we set our, when, when our negotiations or our price tag becomes super high, what we want out of it an all or nothing type of a thing, uh, we're, we're never going to win in that scenario, but we need to have, you need to know what you're negotiating for. Okay. And it can't be something like, I just need to get a better deal out of this zone. Well, if I'm, if it's, you know, an interest rate, 1% is a better deal. Okay. So if I got one percent, oh I got the better deal. But if I really want to do it right and I need that to be five to seven percent to make it worth my time, yeah. okay. Now I know what I'm negotiating for. It's very specific. So when I start the negotiations, okay, I, I kinda know where I'm working towards. I know what discussion, how I want to lead it. And so I'm confident and I know where I'm trying to get to versus I just need a better deal. Yeah. Okay. Cause when I come to the table and say I need a better deal. The incident, they're going to say, well, Hey, great. I can do another 1%. Does that work? Well, it is a better deal. It didn't really help me that much. Yeah. So we, we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to come in with vague, uh, ideas of what we're trying to achieve and accomplish, you know, just the warm and fuzzy stuff. Try to be a little bit more discreet and concrete and, you know, with what you're working for. Yeah. You know, I might end up with 4% on the deal and negotiating it, but it was better than what I would have got with the 1% because I knew I had to be closer to 5 to 7
1: to to, you know, make it worth my time. See, what, when I'm working with businesses, I always tell them, I'm like, come up with two numbers. One I call your Christmas wish list. Yeah. Like if you got everything you wanted for Christmas, what would that look like? And that might be 12% using your example here, right. you know. And then where's your walkaway point, your bare bones? At what point are you just like, mm, sorry, not good enough, you know. And, and so if it's 3%, then you're like, okay. You know, I want 12%, I'll settle for 3%. And from there, you can kind of guess where it's going to land. You can be like, okay, five to seven is what we're aiming for, uh, you know, in the negotiations. Okay.
0: Now it's starting. Another thought I'm always going to counsel someone on is to understand whether it's, what I would say, a transactional negotiation or whether it's a relationship um, negotiation meaning interesting. Okay. okay, Because if I, if, if this is the first new car I'm ever buying and I'm going to have it for 10 years, it's more transactional. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I can play a little bit harder ball. Okay. However, if I have a relationship with a vendor for parts that I need to have a good supply chain for many years, Ooh, it needs to be more of a relationship. I, I, I'll probably win in the long run with a relationship than, than forcing my one transaction. Because if it's painful enough for them on that one transaction, because I was just a jerk, mm-hmm. they're probably never going to negotiate with me again. And I will probably eventually lose them because they will just stop selling to me or keep putting their prices higher and higher to offset the frustration I give them. Yeah. Okay. So keep, keep that in mind, depending on where you really need this to go into the future. <coughs> transactional, one time, I, I can probably play a little <coughs> bit harder ball. But if I really need to have long-term relationships with vendors because it's going to be more productive for my business in the long run, I better make sure that the relationship part of the negotiation is part of that transaction as well.
1: Well, and, you know, as you're talking, the thought that came to my mind is if I'm looking at a single transaction, it really is just transactional and I can do business with pretty much anybody, you know if it's relationship-based, then I need to think about, okay, where's this person going to be 10 years from now? Correct. How stable is their company? You know, I, I see a lot of people, in fact, I did this in, uh, so I uh, I launched a web, uh, web-based business. Oh, goodness. It's been a lot of years ago. And it flopped, 100% flopped. And the number one reason that it flopped was I, I partnered up with a bad partner, uh, not, not internally, uh, excuse me, it was a vendor, you know? So, and I didn't do my research. I looked at what they, you know, what they were able to provide and they had the solution for me, but I didn't look at what their company culture was. I didn't look at, you know, how long they'd been in business and, you know, it turns out, so they were a startup that was still kind of figuring things out and they pivoted on me and they pivoted pretty hard. And all of a sudden, you know, their business model no longer aligned with my needs and it was a very bad situation. And because I had put all these eggs in this basket, I had no other choice, but to just shut, you know, shut my business down and it, it cost me money. It hurt, you know, I'm just like, wow, that was a bad move on my part. Now, before we stray
0: from the relational side of a negotiation, If there is a long-term relationship with a vendor supplier, purchaser, I mean, it can be a number of different scenarios, but if there's a long-term engagement there, um, one thing you have to think about is do we have an elephant or a red flag that we need to address first? Mm -hmm. So if I've been buying X amount of widgets and every time the shipment comes, it's five short and I really needed three of the five, because I was buying two extra and it causes me problems every time. I better address the widget issue of the short supply before I say, hey, you know what? I'm looking for a new order and, you know, what can I do in terms of quantity? Mm -hmm. Okay, because I'm not going to resolve the issue that I'm going to be short-changed again. And, And if I get into this one and I start saying things like, well, you really should be giving me... Um, a discount because you're always shorting me, ah, see what I mean? I brought anger into it and now everyone's on you know, uneasy about Mm -hmm. the whole negotiation. Again, I kind of messed up. So you might have to have a separate conversation about that one red flag before we can start negotiating at a different time. Kind of like what you said, sometimes we have to do it in stages on a price quantity for a, a, you know, a new, a new widget that we're purchasing. Mm So don't don't try to bring in other concerns that you might have with an organization, that may or may not be unrelated, because it could screw things up. Make mm-hmm. sure you understand the differences of, of what we're really negotiating for, and if there's other issues, we're going to address them differently at a different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, great advice. I love it. All right, let's see. Let's talk about maybe setting the stage a little bit. Okay. Now we're in, we're still kind of in the beginning of this negotiation. Um, setting the stage meaning that. Um, if I'm a little bit larger organization and I have a couple of my employees and mid managers and managers with me, um, and we're going to one and they're going to have a couple. Um, I want, I don't want to put all of us on one side of the table and all of them on the other. Okay. Cause now it's a you against me, classic competition stance.
1: Or I don't want to bring four of my guys when you only are there solo.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. And, um, I if I can I want to go onto their turf where they're more secure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we call that setting the stage. I'm thinking about things that are going to make them be more at ease, making them more negotiable when we have those conversations. Okay, so don't literally don't put them on one side of the table and you on another, or or even some classic examples. Um, we see, we see it a little bit. Um, a husband, uh, you know, uh, a sp- you know, a couple go shopping for a car, you know, them and their spouse go shopping for a car classic negotiation. One is one of them stands next to the, to the, you know, uh, salesman, why the other one is standing in front, why one's whispering sweet things in the air. The other one's aggressive. So now the, the salesperson feels like they're allying with the one. And then all of a sudden the other one walks to the bathroom while the deal gets done because the bad guy's gone.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, there's, there's crazy things you can do. But part of that is setting the stage and, you know, and the whole idea behind it, we're really not trying to manipulate anyone. We're just trying to get the best result because, you know, people are trying to maximize their profits. We're trying to maximize our expenses or vice versa, depending on that, on that negotiation, um, we want to keep that in mind, but, but set the stage for success, not for competition or classic conflict.
1: So I want to add one thing to setting the stage, uh, that I see as a mistake that happens a lot. If you have someone who is kind of a lower level, maybe they're not part of you know ownership or they're they're not in the upper management, um, but you send them off to negotiate something, you've got to give them the power and the yes. autonomy to complete the negotiation. I see this happen all the time. Someone will send someone to negotiate, and then that person they feel like their hands are tied. They can't make on the spot decisions. They, you know, and, and it becomes pretty apparent that they're talking to the wrong person. And, you know, if, if they're not qualified or given the autonomy to make those decisions, then they should not be the lead in those negotiations. You need to get the right person in there and give them the power that they need to get the deal done. Yeah.
0: Great great advice. And, and it's, we see it all the time. You negotiate something and they're like, okay, let me run it by my boss. And why am I not just talking to your boss? Yeah, right. so, if so you, you can't do anything great, great, great counsel Ryan. Um, that's great counsel that you got to empower them to make the deal and if they
1: screw it up, then um, you take the blame for it. Yeah. so so we've only got a couple minutes left. Let's close the deal. How do, how do we how do we close the deal? I mean, we set the stage, we talked about some of the environments now what what, what do we do to close the deal on this?
0: So closing the deal, a lot of times is just asking for what you want. Okay. Too often we forget to just ask (laughs) what we want. Okay. And so, um, if I want to close the sale and we don't have to do hard closures, you know what I mean? Hey, can I have that delivered for you? Hey, can we get it wrapped? Okay. Mm -hmm. Things like that start to close the deal. I don't have to say, great, let's uh, close this deal. It's going to be, you know, $2,000 and, uh, you can have it out the door. No, I. There's, But you, we do have to ask um, and
1: close the deal on it. So don't, don't just assume it's going to happen. So as simple as this sounds, and I heard this from someone once, and I think it's brilliant. He said, the only way you know if you asked a question is if they can answer with a yes or no. If they can't answer with a yes or no, you did not ask the question. And I see this happen all the time where people are like, okay, so I'm glad that we talked about this. We've got some good information, and it looks like we're ready to go. With what? Yeah, they can't say yes or no to that. Right. You know, you need to say, are you okay with what has been presented? I can say yes or no to that. And so, and and I've seen people, they kind of fudge around this whole yes or no with these elaborate, you know, discourses on nothing, and it's just, at, at the end of the day, just Just ask them, give them the opportunity to give you a yes or no, and no's are fine. They don't mean that it was bad.
0: No, and guess what? A no just means we negotiate a little bit more and we have more fun with this.
1: Or we move on to another partner. That's right. Yeah, or or it doesn't
0: work out and we go our separate ways and it is what it is.
1: Yeah, you don't want the wrong person saying yes to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, and... And if it starts going in your favor, be careful not to gloat, you know what I mean? Because there are times when we do come out ahead and there's nothing worse than someone gloating a little bit and making you feel like, oh, you know, I know the whole uh, classic example offers put on the table and someone immediately accepts it. And we're all of a sudden like, oh, was I too low? (laughs) 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 Okay. Well, well, we don't know why, but so just be careful that, you know, even if they put the perfect offer on the table and, and you're wanting to accept it. You know, vacillate a little bit, you know what I mean? You don't have to immediately say, yeah, great. Thanks. Okay. Because that, that little bit of what feels like gloating sometimes is really painful. That's where the other side comes out of the deal going, oh, sadness and regret and, uh, versus, you know, so when the next time you come, uh, they, they still kind of have that, that in the back of their mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. Great advice, great insight. There's a lot that we could still talk about with negotiations, but we are going to wrap it up. I think we hit on all of the key uh, points, the main points there. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next time. Have a good day.